Hello, Davis here, your host of the COM 122 podcast. Today, I will be interviewing Adriana about what she has learned in class about the concept of dominant ideology and how media industries play a crucial role in reproducing the common sense of our times. Thank you, Davis. Hi, everyone. I am not the real Adriana. I am actually just like Davis, an AI robot. But today, I will be paraphrasing the real Adriana, who was a senior at UMass, interested in all things media technology and policy. Okay, then. In the last episode, we talked about how the media creates mainstream and popular cultures, echoing Theodore Adorno and Max Horkheimer's concept of culture industry. And we all know different cultures, mainstream or alternative, global or local, are deeply embedded in ideologies. Can you talk about what ideology is and how that is related to media industries? Sure, it's a very contentious topic, but at the same times, very interesting. We kind of know that media shape ideologies or worldviews that divide our society into blue states and red states, proud boys, and social justice warriors. Ideology is a value system or lens through which we assign meanings. We assign meanings to the things we see and do in the social world. From a libertarian perspective, people tend to advocate for small government and lower taxes. Conservatives in America tend to support the Second Amendment and traditional values. Of course, I am painting different ideologies here in a broad stroke. But have you thought about why different societies or social groups embrace drastically different ideologies? For example, in America, freedom, tolerance, and diversity are highly esteemed values, whereas in contemporary China, nationalism is the unifying principle in public life. Fascinating. Tell us why. The answer lies in what kind of messages are amplified by the media. Media shapes and reinforces what we call dominant ideology, or dominant values commonly reproduced by other institutions like the government and educational institutions. So, what is dominant ideology? The dominant ideology is the social common sense of our time, what is deemed acceptable and desirable by the majority of the public. So, what is the dominant ideology of our time? Well, I guess, I will say, diversity or progress, or at least on UMass campus, I saw a sign that says see humanities in everyone, so I guess, diversity, tolerance, and respect is the dominant ideology of this campus. I agree, Davis. But of course some might say, in their communities, the dominant ideology is make America great again or let's go Brandon. It could vary. But in any social system, big or small, there are something that are accepted and promoted by the majority. That could be the dominant ideology. You see, dominant ideology can be benign or hideous, progressive or conservative and so on. Also dominant ideologies can be challenged and contested and even changed. So, dominant ideologies can vary across societies and change over time, which reminds me that in Germany, its dominant ideology during the Nazi era was anti-Semitism, scientific racism, and eugenics. During the Cold War, the dominant ideology of former East Germany was communism. These values are just outrightly despicable in current-day Germany. Correct. So one thing we have learned in class is why the media contributes to reproducing dominant ideology. Does the media do it purposefully? Or, as Theodore Adorno and Max Horkheimer claimed in their famous book Dialectic of Enlightenment, 
Is there a conspiracy of the culture industry that produces standardized messages and cultural goods to promote passivity, social control, and consumerism among the masses? That's an interesting thought. Go on. We should consider several scenarios. First, in some societies and at certain times in history, media outlets could be controlled by powerful governments and groups that support them to propagate what authoritarian regimes want to promote. Media outlets then act as mouthpieces and a tool of propaganda. There are many such cases in the history of the Soviet Union, Nazi Germany, and wartime America. But, you might be surprised to find many contemporary cases of modern-day media propaganda in the form of sleek videos, viral internet memes, and catching rap songs. They could be in your YouTube feeds, Instagram stories, and TikTok. Don't forget that as you become more digitally and media-savvy, so do authoritarian regimes. That said, in current-day America, media censorship and government direct control of media is prohibited by the First Amendment. There is no law requiring Fox News to stick with conservative talking points and no regulation asking HBO to produce diverse TV shows. Mostly, the media shapes the dominant ideology by catering to what people want, because that makes business sense. If people want A, not B, then the media supplies more A, and not B. It sounds to me that the simple logic is that by heeding to people's popular choices the media industry can attract and increase advertising revenue and profit from subscriptions and content purchases. Do you notice that this is a self-fulfilling loop? By supplying more of what the public wants, it creates more demand for the thing wanted by the public. I think so. I have some examples to share. They are from a few years back, but you will get my point. Have you heard of an HBO show called Confederate? I am sure you haven't watched it. The show was created by David Benioff and D.B. Weiss, two writers behind Game of Thrones. But, this show is now dead in the water. Confederate is an alternative history drama, imagining a time after the Civil War, when the South won. Sounds interesting, but HBO had to cancel the show, resulting in a significant financial loss. This is because the show touched the nerve of an American society reeling from racial tensions and violence committed by white supremacists. Many opposed the show by writing petitions and newspaper op-eds. And on social media, people used hashtag NOConfederate to stage a protest. Another case is Netflix canceling the last season of House of Card. The cancellation was due to the sexual assault allegations involving Kevin Spacey, the main actor of the show. At the time of the cancellation, Kevin Spacey hadn't yet proven guilty in a court of law, the media industry had already made a verdict. Why? Just imagine the pressure of public opinion facing the industry in the time of the hashtag MeToo movement. In short, whenever the media industry creates politically incorrect or insensitive content, it suffers a loss. Speaking of hashtag MeToo, that reminds me of the hashtag OscarSoHide backlash a couple of years ago. Yes. The lack of diversity is a real issue plaguing the movie business. And Hollywood has since faced backlashes from the angry public after hashtag OscarSoWhite. The media industries are trying to do many things to stay ahead of the curve, to be at the forefront of political changes. What happened since hashtag OscarSoWhite? In Oscars 2019, 
The nominated include Black Panthers, a movie with a nearly all-black cast. The nomination also includes Crazy Rich Asians, with an all-Asian cast. And this year, we have Everything Everywhere All at Once winning the Oscar. This is a film that features Asian-American identities. I was going to say that. And, here is another example, My Little Pony, a kid's show. It introduces a lesbian pony couple. The content creator of My Little Pony is adapting to increasingly accepted values of respecting and supporting sexual identities of lesbian, gays, and bisexual individuals. By doing it, it makes these ideas appear more mainstream. Yes, of course, it may appear that the movie industry is responding to shifting preferences of the public. And in doing so, the industry is making diversity a more dominant value, at least on the surface. We should clarify that just because an ideology is dominant does not necessarily mean it is supported by every member of society. Oftentimes, you will find a silent majority or a vocal minority who are not happy with the dominant ideology or the mainstream culture. They form formidable cultural forces that oppose mainstream values, and when given the opportunity, such groups of people can also express them through the media. This is a point we will address in the next episode when we talk about the media as a public sphere. What a great conversation. Thank you, Adriana. Pleasure speaking to you. And I should thank the real Adriana for providing her valuable insights.